Welcome to episode 12 of Friends Beer Coffee, an autobiographical podcast for the hell of it. My name is Joel Kretzik, and today we're talking with a fellow beer blogger, writer, IT guy, and father, <laughs> Doug Ziegler. Yeah. Hi. Hey. And- How's it going, man? Yeah, pretty good. And uh, thanks for pronouncing my last name correctly, because most people try to do Ziegler. So that's uh, nice. That's nice. <laughs> I mean, it was a shot in the dark because we don't we don't see each other in person too often. Uh, yeah. And I usually read your last name on the screen, but I'm glad that worked out because I understand what it's like to have your last name not pronounced correctly. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's going on in your life right now? You're you're an IT guy during the day, right? That's correct. I uh, work IT for a car parts manufacturer, and uh, at night I uh, basically drink beer and uh, play video games. But you know, also I'm a father and husband, and uh, of late I've been a yard worker extraordinaire because we've expanded our garden by 24 feet and uh, redid a flower bed that was really big. And yeah, my body's really not liking me right now, but yeah, it looks great. Oh, that sounds fantastic. I do not count myself a green thumb. Um, I tend to kill any plants I get near, not intentionally. It just <laughs> happens. So I don't try and grow anything. I like buying it at the store. Yeah, for me, it's uh, my wife's got the green thumb. I just I'm the grunt laborer. I build the stuff and then she plants everything and and she's great at it. So I just kind of enjoy that she can plant things that some of them look good and some of them we eat. So that's cool. What uh, what in particular do you have that you're excited about in the garden? Anything? Uh, well, the thing is, is she changes like her ideas so often. Uh, she did plant some. Uh, we we actually have been growing garlic, which is weirdly easy to grow. Like for some reason, I always had this impression that it was like you can only grow it in Italy or whatever. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know? But like you basically plant the bulbs in the fall in a little bed, and then you just let them go over the winter, and then nice. they come up. Like the garden, like the garlic things, like the tops of them are like two two feet tall already. It's uh, it's pretty pretty cool because then you just take them out and then you dry them out and then you got fresh garlic that you grew. It's pretty neat. That's fantastic. I absolutely love garlic in almost everything. Yeah, so that's the good thing. Uh, you know, we're also growing potatoes, which I am a potato lover extraordinaire because I could eat potatoes every meal if I could. And my <laughs> wife... My oh. wife just walked in and gave me a big grin because she knows that's a very true statement. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So how did we meet? Uh, we met through the Dad Bloggers group. Is that correct? That's correct. And then I think we met in, perp- in person or in purpose. Uh, <laughs> I think we met in San Diego, if I'm not mistaken. We actually hung out there a bit. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, because it was that was the one where everybody had trouble getting in because the fog was so bad. Oh, that was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, and I was lucky. I got I got in and flew actually into San Diego Airport. A lot of people I got diverted to like L.A. and had to drive down. I was like, yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, me too. And that was one of those things that I flew standby for. So getting out was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. uh, getting in, I was lucky. And then getting out, I was like, oh, well, I ended up having to buy a ticket to get out because it was just I was like, OK, I'm either going to stay here for three more days and I'm just going to buy a ticket like <laughs> the cost differential there was it wasn't much. So and I had to get back, you know, so. yeah. Little ones are were uh, awaiting their dad to come home. I'm sure. So absolutely. I well, let's what do you remember what year that was? I think I had. I don't think your youngest was even born yet. No, yeah, my oldest was was still pretty little at that point. Yeah, Wes Wesley was pretty young. So yeah, that's fun. So uh, you're a dad, and mm-hmm. 
you you like writing. Are those two things uh, similar or different for you? Uh, well, I will say being a father is a weird combination of being reactive and proactive, uh, whereas writing is just like, for me, that's purely creative stuff, and I enjoy the hell out of that. And I enjoy being a father, too. They're just, com to me, they're completely different beasts. Uh, so, you know, on the one hand, you have to react to how your kid is handling things and what's going on. And then you also are wanting to be proactive because you, I don't know if you're like this, but I always kind of think of how is this going to translate down the road? You know, not that I have to make everything a lesson. I don't want to do that. But there are times when I'm sure. like, well, how are they going to handle If they can't handle this, how are they going to handle this? You know, so... I don't know. I find them to be pretty different. I mean, I know you've written stuff too. Do you feel that's the same or different? That no, that makes absolute sense. Um, it, it's really, it can be for me, anyways, difficult to try and think long term like that. I do attempt to do that, but I think a lot of times, especially with the younger kids, mm -hmm. uh, more often than not, it's like, okay, deal with the problem at hand. Um, because in the end, the kids, at least at this age, I think, because when I was younger, I only remember you know, feelings the way my parents made me feel, not necessarily the words they said up to, I don't know, somewhere in elementary school. Um, yeah. yeah, for me, it's a bit different because my kids are all teens. So, like, I'm past the little kid phase where, you know, a lot of the sort of quote-unquote emergency issues that you get when you're like, oh, no, it's all hands on deck, you know. It's, yeah. That, that's kind of like you're almost like triage when your kids are small. It's like just trying to maintain the ship because when they're teens, they they have their own lives. They're growing their own personas. You know, they're becoming their own people. So you're just kind of managing that stuff and being there when they need to ask you questions and, you know, sometimes pushing them to actually do a little work. But, you know, eh, oh, yeah. I, was, I was that way when I was a teenager, too. So I totally get that. Are they driving? Are they driving age? Oh, one, uh, our oldest, Alex, is 19, or will be 19 here in a month and a half, or two months, whatever it is. And uh, so he's been driving for a couple of years, but we have two 15-year-olds. So, oh, wow. <laughs> so uh, Kyle will be able to drive in October, and Jen will be able to drive in Jan February of next year. So that will be fun. That's a lot of sarcasm in case you didn't know. No, I, <laughs> I'm over here just nodding in agreement. This, wow. Yeah. Um, are you uh, planning on teaching your kids a stick or just automatic? And I'm not judging at all because I can only drive automatic. My my parents tried to teach me stick and I just could not get it. So um, <laughs> I think they threw their hands up in the air and like, nope, you can just drive an automatic car for the rest of your life. It's fine. Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> most people make them that way anyway. Anyhow. Right, and, uh, right. Uh, I like we taught Alex on an automatic and, you know, I said, well, maybe at some point we'll teach you how to drive a stick, but I don't have a stick, stick shift car. I, I, I love driving them, but, um, it's not plausible because my wife can't drive a stick either. And we just never got around when I, my last car was a stick shift. So I never got around to teaching her how to drive. So if it's only just only I can drive the car, it's kind of limits, you know, if one car is in the shop, well, I guess I'm driving everybody everywhere. So, right. Yeah. yeah I totally get that. Yeah. So no, it'll, it'll be, it'll be just automatics for everybody, I think. Okay. Uh, I know you're in New York now. Are you born and raised in New York or are you from somewhere else in the country? Uh, well, I was actually born in Miami, Florida, which is <laughs> weird, but, uh, you know, my mom, uh, married my stepfather when I was four and they decided we're moving to Pennsylvania. 
So I lived the vast majority of my life in, uh, well, my my formative years were in uh, very rural PA, like you know, right in the middle of nowheresville in PA. And, uh, you know, I lived in Harrisburg for a while, then Scranton, and then I kept moving farther north, and now I'm by Binghamton, New York. So I think my next move is going to be like Maine. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Just keep so going the, north the, until I hit the North Pole or something like the, that. The cold and the winters aren't really a thing that bother you too much then. No, actually, the uh, the heat and humidity just, uh I am not a fan. Okay. Yeah. It's uh, like the past couple of days, I was saying we were doing the garden projects. And the past like three days, it, it was like 90 with 80% humidity. Wow. And I was just sweating and miserable. <laughs> That's awful. And then, like, we're almost done with the project. And then, uh, like, Saturday into Sunday, it's supposed to be, like, 41 overnight. I'm like, <laughs> like okay, I could have waited, but, you know, we really can't. Because it's a garden. you got to get everything planted. So, you know, it's kind of yeah. like time crunch to get it right, you know? Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, what about you? Do you? Are you more, well, you're, I think, are you farther north than me? I think you're, well, at least equal. I'm not, I, yeah, I mean, if it is further north, it's not by much. We're, we're pretty much equal as far as north goes. Yeah, but you're right. You're right by the lake. So you guys get like really lovely winters there. Yeah, that's true. Although we're on the west side of the lake, so we don't get a lot of the lake effect snow that my family from Indiana gets. So at least that's nice. So yeah. We don't have to deal with that uh, unless we go visit. But, you know, that doesn't happen too often now because of the whole pandemic thing. Yeah, for sure. I haven't actually seen my parents since November because my parents live three hours away in Pennsylvania and we just haven't gotten down there. And then the pandemic hit and I'm like, my, you know, both my parents are at risk folks. My brother mm-hmm. stays with them because my brother had a stroke in November and he's still recovering. So like all those folks are at risk. So I just can't go see them because I just don't want a chance getting them sick. Yeah, same with my dad. He's in a, a assisted living facility. And, you know, it. even before they shut it down, I was like, I'm not going to go visit because even if I'm asymptomatic, if I have something, I would feel horrible if I, you know, help spread it anywhere. So I haven't seen him sure. since maybe January. I mean, it's not that recent seeing as it's the end of may at this point yeah it's tough so i'm curious changing gears a little bit as a kid uh did you grow up in a religious setting yes and no uh so i grew up uh my parents uh, sent me to lutheran church and i went to sunday school and all that stuff and when i was around 13 they kind of gave me the well listen you're 13 now there's a bunch of religions out there you can research them and if you have questions you know we'll be glad to answer what we can but you're welcome to go explore whatever you want And I explored and decided I didn't want any of them. So, (laughs) and that's been, that's been that way since I was a teenager. So. Oh, okay. I didn't realize it was, um, I don't want to say that long ago, but you know, I didn't realize it it had been a while. How did your parents react to your choice? Uh, My parents are very much, you're an adult, you make your own choices if you ask my opinion, I will give it. And my mom just my mom just cares that I'm happy, my family's happy, we're all safe. That's you know, my mom and dad are both just of that sort of ilk. They don't really believe they need to like my mom still goes to church, my dad doesn't, but um, you know, it's not a not a big topic of conversation within my family. That's fantastic. 
my side of the family. Let's just put it that way. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll leave the other side of the family alone for now. Okay, that makes sense. So are are you taking that same kind of approach with your own kids? Well, we have a pretty interesting mix here because my, uh, you know, I'm, this is my second marriage and I have two kids from my first marriage and my wife, Joel has two kids from her first marriage. Um, so I, you know, obviously I'm an atheist and my kids know I'm an atheist. Uh, both my kids go to Catholic school cause their mother's Catholic and that was important to her. Um, you know, we just always told them we will support whatever you believe as long as it, you don't cause harm to yourself or others. And just, we encourage you to ask questions of everybody, including us. Um, so you know, my wife has a different view on belief, and I'm not going to speak to what hers is because it's hers. Sure. Uh, um, so my, you know, my oldest is an atheist as well. He's been for a while. Um, and my youngest is kind of this kind of believes there's something bigger, if that makes sense. Um, now, yep. her father's side of the family is pretty religious, so I think she just kind of keeps that to herself there. <laughs> That makes sense. It could be a touchy subject depending on what company you're you're in. Mm-hmm. Another thing I'm curious about, I know you and Greg uh, do this uh, beer show online where you meet people, talk to people. Uh, you guys do beer tastings and that sort of thing. How did that come about? Uh, actually, Greg and I met at the same one you and I met at, at in San Diego. And oh, okay. that was that was when they had the Facebook vendor there. And Greg was just starting like kind of to build the Daddy Porter beer group that we're yeah. part of okay and he was talking to facebook people just like hey man i just don't know like i i think i have something here but i'm not sure and i was standing by there and he was hey doug you're part of the group and he pulls me in and he and i just hit it the hell off nice. we talked about beer and just everything we did a bottle share and like just it, greg's just good people man he yeah that guy he'd give you the shirt off his back no questions asked and, you know, those are the kind of people I want to surround myself with. And he just had this thing where he messaged me one day and he said, man, listen, I'd like to do a beer show. Uh, and I wanted you to do it with me. And I was kind of like a little thrown back because, like, I'm not like a beer expert by any stretch. And uh, I was actually pretty narrow in my scope of what I drank. You know, it was mostly dark beers. Like, I wouldn't venture into IPAs at all or like I was very narrow. Okay. And he said the reason he wanted me was for that purpose was because I wasn't, uh, you know, what would be considered an expert. I was bringing something where he has studied like uh, Cicerone stuff and like he's not a Cicerone yet, but he's studied all that stuff. So he has a lot more, it's a lot broader palette for that than I do. And he right. wanted me to he wanted me to bring in more of the Scotch stuff because I write a Scotch full of yours and uh, I haven't actually done a lot of scotch in the show. I've been just sticking to beer, but I think I got to switch that up soon. But yeah, it was just kind of, he asked me and I was like, absolutely, man, that'd be fun. And we've been doing that for over a year on Friday nights. That's awesome. I didn't realize it had been quite that long. Yeah, it's been a little over a year. I tell you though, we watched some of those first few and woohoo, baby. <laughs> they well, are bad. you know, <laughs> everybody's got to start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and we do them live, so it's like you don't have it. It's like going with a without a you know without a net. You're just kind of flying out there and hoping you don't say something dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's so funny. <laughs> well, that's. I mean, that's part of the reason I I don't do these live. I, I like being able to edit things later, take out all the oohs and ums and ahs and likes. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mine is more like I say just a lot and i'm really trying to break that one that's not a great one for me so people like fillers that's one of the things i've been trying to do is 
just be okay with the silence a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I found, especially in person with people, it makes them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Even if you they say something or you say something, you just wait like three, four, five seconds, which really isn't that long. Mm-mm. But if you're standing there staring at somebody and they're like waiting for you to say something... <laughs> It feels like forever, and it's kind of fun to see how they react. Some people don't care, and some people get really uncomfortable. Yeah, there's a there's a sportscaster named Colin Cowherd. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he does his own show, and he is famous for, like, these. He'll talk, and then he'll just be quiet for, like, three seconds or four seconds. And on a TV show, which is, like, really weird because you, sure. don't, expe- you don't expect it. But he's masterful at putting those in because it gives – this drama to how he talks. It's not like Shatner where he'd be like, (laughs) but it's like, he'll make a statement and then he'll just be quiet for a second. And then he'll like make another statement that's unrelated. It's pretty like, if you can watch his show, even if you're not a sports fan, just watching his cadence is really, really fascinating. I'm going to have to do that. That sounds really interesting because I am not much of a sports guy. I'll watch uh, the big games, but Mm -hmm. You know, other than that, unless I'm attending an event, and if I attend a ball game, it, for me, it's a lot of fun because it's the experience, hanging out with friends and trying the beer, the food or whatnot, going to the stadium. But I don't often actually watch what's happening on the field. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, he is also, he also does his show. They do it as a podcast, too, so you can actually listen to it as a podcast. So you still hear the oh, pauses. Cool. So if you're just wanting to walk around the house, do something and listen to something, it's just... Not that you're, even if you're not a sports person, just hearing how he uses silence is, it's uncommon. So it's really cool to listen to. Nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, are you a sports guy? I am a basketball junkie. Uh, I played basketball in Division three college level. Um, I have played basketball most of my life. <laughs> So nice. I really, I'm really into uh, college basketball specifically, and I didn't get to have the Final Four this year, the March Madness, because of the mm-hmm. outbreak. So that's been a bit of a bummer. But I'd say that, like, I'll watch a little sports here and there, but for the most part, I couldn't be bothered. I really don't care to watch baseball, baseball, or I, I don't know. To me, that's just like I'd rather go to the game, like you said, where I can sit and I can have a freaking hot dog and a beer and like just sit outside with friends or family that that's an experience that I would enjoy, but the actual sport. Eh. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you're my people. <laughs> <laughs> um, as far as uh, college ball goes, do you have specific teams you're a fan of? Yeah, I'm very much a Kentucky Wildcats fan for college basketball. Um, it's what's weird is I, I kind of fell in love with them back when I was in high school because they had uh, a coach there, Rick Pitino, who they had just come off like a like a probation where they couldn't get any like give kids scholarships. They had all these kids who never would have ever played in a Division one school because they. Oh, wow. Home. So it's just kids that were just played their asses off and they played really fast. And it was it was fun to watch. And I just like that style. And they've kind of kept that style. And uh, one coach, uh, Billy Gillespie, who was a freaking knucklehead, and he was trying to do the opposite, and that was not fun to watch. But otherwise, it's just been because I fell in love with them then, I just kind of rode that out, and, you know, they're largely fun to watch. That's cool. I, I've I've only been to a handful of basketball games. They're fun to watch for sure, though. The, the one actual NBA – no, I guess I've been to two NBA games, but the first NBA game I ever went to was a Chicago Bulls game the year – after 
like everybody left and that yeah you know they tanked after the the three p three p or whatever you know yeah. it was the next year when they were like the bottom of the barrel of course that's <laughs> when i got tickets to go see them somebody was like yeah. hey, I've got extra tickets <laughs> i didn't know why then but now i do <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that was uh yeah that was when you could actually get tickets you couldn't get tickets before that i imagine so no yeah exactly and it was so bad at the end of the night the crowd was cheering not for the team to win, but because if they made a certain threshold, we'd all get free tacos from Taco Bell that night. So the crowd went wild at the end when they hit whatever the point <laughs> was for that. Hey, that's always good. Free food. <laughs> that speaks to people, doesn't it? I think so, on a very visceral level. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> hey, have you ever gone to a hockey game? One time. I, I, was, I was at a hockey game one time. It was a lot of fun. And the only reason we went was because we entered a contest at Meyer. One of those things where you just like walk by and fill out a form. And it just filled out. Like, never win one of these. Yeah. And my wife and I got to go. And the fun part was there was like a meet and greet beforehand. So we met a bunch of the Chicago Blackhawks players. I didn't know who they were. Right. I have like some signed stuff in a box somewhere. But it was, it was fun to like, oh, hey, here we are. And then they played. They lost the game, but it was still fun to watch. Um, it's so fast. Very fast. And it's, yeah, it, it's fairly easy to follow, too. I mean, it it's not like there's, I'm sure there are a lot of, uh, you know, special rules of different things happen. But I, I felt like I knew what was happening most of the time. It was nice. Yeah. And it's uh, the last time I took my, uh, one of the Christmas presents I got from my sons was that I took him to a hockey game and we sat right at the glass. Nice. Right, sat right at the thing. And that was cool because. I mean, just the guys slam into the glass and everything shakes. And it's like, that was pretty cool. cool to watch. That's a lot of fun. We've got a minor league team I've been meaning to go see. Because it's easy to get tickets for the minor league team. I mean, they're cheap. Mm-hmm. It's not like trying to go to the NHL stuff. Um, yeah. Of course, now that I really want to, we can't because it's all shut down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one I took them to was the minor league team here. And that's why the tickets were like 20 bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah. Sitting right at the front. So, like, that was super cool. Yeah, it's super cheap, and, and it's still fun. I'm going to change gears a bit. I want to know about oh, two things. The first, I guess, would be scotch. I've only had, I think, three scotches in my life, and I've loved all of them. But scotch is one of those things. I'm not around a lot of people that drink scotch, mm-hmm. so I'm not just going to go out to Binnie's, our local you know, <laughs> place, and spend 40 bucks or more on a bottle and go, oh, I like this, or oh, I don't. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. How'd you get into it? Uh, I kind of, I can't even tell you exactly. Like there wasn't like an aha moment or something like that. I just kind of like the one night I was out with, uh, I remember the first time I was like, Oh, I could kind of like this. I was out at a business dinner and, uh, the guy was my boss's boss or something. He's like, here, try this. And mm-hmm. he gave me, um, it was Balvenie 12 year double wood which is a very almost sweet, smooth scotch. It's an excellent entry level if you want. Now I'm going to say there's different levels of scotch blended. There's single malt, you know, there's all those kind of things. Um, This was, this was single malt, but uh, the single malts, like you said, they're 40 bucks at the cheapest. So it's not a cheap thing to go get. Um, So that was kind of how I started. And I really, really liked that one because it was super drinkable. And I'd always kind of envisioned, my problem was I was associating whiskey and whiskey for people in America is bourbon. And I'm not as much of a fan of bourbon because it's got a real, most of them have a really aggressive taste. 
um, but scotches tend to be a bit smoother. And, um, you know, I also like the ones that are very peaty and earthy. Um, that's not, most people don't really care for those, but that's more the Islay style. It, I could go forever on scotch. So uh, let's, <laughs> if I keep going, I might talk for an hour. Have you, have you been to Scotland to yes. have, to have nice. Yeah. My wife and I went for, uh, we had, a, took a delayed honeymoon cause we couldn't afford to go when we got married and we went to Scotland for a week and, uh, followed up with a week in Ireland, uh, just right back awesome. back. So in uh, Scotland, we went to uh, Dalwini, Talisker, and Oban. I'm mispronouncing Oban, but I can't remember. I think it's Oban is how they pronounce it there, but it's O-B-A-N. Okay. Um, and three distinctly different styles of whiskey. Um, so, But the cool thing was like each one had their own thing. Uh, but at Dalwini, they, had, they paired your whatever whiskey you had with a gourmet chocolate. Oh, wow. So you would take a bite of the chocolate and let that dissolve in your mouth. And then you take a little sip of whiskey. And what they would tell you to do is take a little breath in while the whiskey's in your mouth. And it actually opens up all these flavors with the chocolate. It's like a freaking flavor explosion going off. It's really crazy. Awesome. Yeah, I would never thought to pair chocolate with whiskey, but oh, it's totally a thing. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's just, uh, but again, it, whiskey is like one of those things you, you're better off um, going, and honestly, go to a bar and have a couple different kinds, because then you're not investing 40 to 50, I mean, those are cheap if you're getting into single malts. If you can get this, some of the single malts are in the 70 sure. to $150 range, and that's a little too rich for my blood, but um, yeah, you go there and just try, all right, can I try that, and you know, and see what you like. You know, that's, but you, that's, and you're still going to pay probably eight bucks for, for a one ounce pour, but one ounce is all you really need to figure out if you like the taste of that kind of stuff. Cause it's not like beer, you know, right. it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't warm up and you'll be like, Oh, completely different flavors. No, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. No, I, I always like it when Abigail gets invited to like the corporate things. Cause I'm always trying all these things that I would never try otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can I can I do a quick Scotch story? Uh, real yeah, quick. Yeah, absolutely. No, I worry we have no timetable here necessarily. Just we'll talk till we get bored. Yeah. So this was a uh, last year. Uh, I was at a, our my corporate office is out in Detroit, well Auburn Hills, and uh, we went out to dinner after we had all our day long meetings, and there was a new guy on our on our team, and he was young. Yeah, I think he was twenty five. Okay. So it's after dinner. Uh, I mean, they let us order whatever we want. I had a Wagyu steak that was oh, like wow. was was like seventy dollars. Because I looked at my boss and said, "Man, I've never had that." And he goes, "We'll get it." I was like, "I can't get that." And he goes, "Yeah, you <laughs> can. The company's paying for it. You can get that." I'm like, "Okay." So I like, did. Cool. <laughs> it, was, it was the best steak I ever had. Okay, moving on. To the, so after dinner, they're like, "Do you want any desserts or an after dinner cocktail or something like that?" I said. And I asked for the Balvenie Doublewood because that's a like it's a good it's because it's sweeter. It's almost like a dessert in a way. Okay. And the one guy that sits that was sitting next to me is a, a boss of a different department. And we always talked about beer and whiskey and stuff. And he's oh, what do you have? And I said, I'm having this. And then my boss's boss was like, oh, OK, well, I'll have one of those, too. And then the new guy goes, they said, I said come on, you can. I'm not going to mention his name, but he sure. Because he's not with the company anymore. But oh. uh, he they said, come on, why don't you order one, too? And he goes, ah, OK, yeah. 
so he orders one and we get our whiskeys and I'm just like, and I, I, from in Scotland, they teach you to put a little water in it, drink it neat, but with a little water, the water opens up all the, all the smells and aromas and flavors. Okay. Um, so I put a little water in it and I take a sip. I'm like, ah, oh, man, that's good. And I look over and see the new guy and he takes it and just goes, Whoa! like it's a shot. <laughs> just sucks it down. And his face just turned beet red. Like, Oh my God. Like, and <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. Like all of us started roaring at the table. And then after we left, we were driving, he was driving back. And I said, Hey man, listen, if you ever get scotch, it's not a shot. It's it's a sipper. Right. Oh, yeah. Take your time. Yeah. He goes, well, I kind of figured that after I shot. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Sorry. That was just such a funny moment. I love stories. It's it's fun to have stories. I know you and I have talked about uh, Fobab, the festival of barrel-aged beers in Chicago before. And we've gone – I've had a group of us uh, friends that we've gone, I think, the last, like, four or five years in a row now. It's become a tradition that one of the friends that goes with us gets drunk and does push-ups, like, just as sport. Because anytime he gets so far into, you know, X number of shots or we're leaving or whatever, three or four times throughout the night, he'll just, like, do a shit ton of push-ups because the guy's in the army. And there will be a crowd that will gather around and they'll start cheering for him. And, you know, it's just, like, this thing that we do now. I don't remember how it happened, but it's become a thing that we do every year. And it's really funny. <laughs> that sounds, well, also if you're going to that festival, I think it wouldn't be long before the pushups start, right? In the first 30 minutes, the first set of pushups start. So it's like, <laughs> it's easy to have happen. Yeah. That's what, that's a beer festival that, you know, once we get back to whatever the normal will be is, uh, I really want to get to that one. Uh, because, you know, I love barrel aged beers. It's weird because I said, I don't really care for much bourbon, but I like barrel bourbon barrel aged beers. So, have you had many um, scotch barrel-aged or, like, wine barrel-aged beers? I've had a few wine barrel-aged. I think I've had only one or two scotch barrel-aged beers, and I cannot remember what they are. Uh, I wish more people would do that because if you could take a peaty scotch and put that with a stout, that would be just awesome. And I don't know why people haven't really done that much. Well, largely because you have to get your barrels from Scotland, so you have to have them shipped. You, they don't, you know, or maybe yeah. Japan— they, they make whisk. They make scotch in Japan as well. So, I didn't know that. I, actually, one of those life goals we have, uh, because our oldest is a huge fan of Mario's from the Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. Nintendo franchise, and both in Florida and then in Japan, they're opening up with Universal Studios like a Super Mario Land, basically. Awesome. Um, so, in a, a couple of years, once things settle down a little bit and they have it open, we want to go as a family to wherever it is going to be in japan i forget and visit but since we'll be there for a couple of days i'll have to make sure to, to try some of the local drinks um and you get yourself so, some sake too yeah and i've never had it but part of that is like you know th- i know about how imported beers are especially like the differences between heineken here in the states and heineken in the netherlands i'd rather drink it where it's made than yeah. you know <laughs> see what happens sure. thousands of miles later <laughs> yeah yeah, there's actually a pretty burgeoning, uh, growing uh, industry for scotch in Japan. I I don't know a lot about it. I've only had a few of them, uh, but the ones I've had have been excellent. Um, they're not they're not as they're generally a lighter sort of scotch, so they're 
probably much more drinkable for someone who hasn't really had a lot of scotch. So I think that's something that actually would appeal to people who are just trying to figure out, oh, what's scotch about? What do, do I like this? Do I not like yeah. this? Um, and there, you know, I, I forget the, I can't remember the name of it, but one makes like five different variants of scotch, which is, cool. that's about, that's about as varied as you can get with most distilleries for scotch. They don't usually go much farther than that. So the second thing I want to know about is where your love of Halo came from. <laughs> well, uh, so that started way back with Halo Combat Evolved, which was the very first Halo game. Um, now, when was put put it in a time frame for me? Because I remember, I remember there was a release, and it was not the first one, but it was for me the first time I re realized that gaming was a big deal. It was probably about ten ish years ago when there was a Halo release. I forget what it was, but opening weekend when they released the game, they made like. $300 million on the game release. Mm -hmm. And I was sure. like, holy shit, that that was the first time I realized, you know, in many ways, gaming is way more lucrative than anything Hollywood puts out most most of the time. Mm. Well, with the the original Halo, that game was came out in 2001. That's how long ago that was. Okay. So, so uh, but that one, uh, there's a set of friends I had who we've all moved really far away from each other now, so it doesn't happen. But my one friend lived in Boston, uh, and two of my friends still lived in Scranton, where I was living at the time. And we would make a weekend where we would go up, and we would just get hammered and play Halo and another game called Serious Sam. And it was one of the games that you could play, and you could play split screens. You could have four people playing. Oh, cool. And that was, like, kind of new. That wasn't really done back then. The most you got was like a football game like Madden. I'm not even sure if Madden was out then or if it was just the college football ones where you could play split screen, two people, but you mm -hmm. could play four with this. And we played just an ungodly amount of Halo those weekends. I mean, we'd get up hungover and just launch it and just start, you know, shooting and having a great time. And then the experience of Halo 2, the multiplayer thing was they still use elements of that in multiplayer games now. Nice. That's how that's how far advanced that was. And I remember just literally every night I'd go and I'd be playing with my friends till freaking one in the morning. And then I'd get up at five and get ready to go to work because <laughs> I was a moron. <laughs> but I mean, I've, I've played every single one of the games except for Halo Wars. I didn't like that particular one because that was more... It just wasn't it wasn't a first person shooter, which is generally the games I go for. But I have done mm -hmm. all the games. I've beaten all of them on the hardest level. Like I just I've gone to like a Halo convention. Like I'm a Halo nerd for sure. Okay. Awesome. That is you're more serious about that than I thought you were. Yeah. Uh it's slowed down a little now that I'm approaching fifty, but <laughs> that's just because <laughs> I can't I, I can't stay up as late as I used to. So Yeah, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> So did you, and, and this is from my experience, because I, I remember playing the first Halo game forever ago, and I was just crap at it. Um, <clears throat> I was always a Nintendo 64 guy, so I mm -hmm. was good with, like, GoldenEye came out in the late 90s. That whole multiplayer thing was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It was, I think, similar in at least the idea that a bunch of us would get together and we'd play that and, you know, stay up late and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, did you ever play GoldenEye or N64 back then? Are you? Well, I will tell you that uh, for a large portion of my 20s, I didn't really play games because I was 
single and running all around and I just didn't, you know, I was doing a million things. So, uh, I didn't really get into gaming after I got out of college until I got married and I started a job where the other people were playing. Um, this, they're actually what they were playing was uh, rainbow six black arrow, which was oh, a okay. first person shooter, but that was the first thing that got me into the Xbox thing. And I look now at that and it looks like battle zone. Like that's just how old it looks when you see it now. <laughs> but, but uh, then they, the, you know, my friends started saying, Oh, we should get this halo combat evolved and we'll play that. And I was like, all right. So I picked it up and I was just like, I love the story of it. And like, it's, you know, I'm, I also like sci-fi. So that's like all in my wheelhouse there too. So it just kind of just, it's always been Xbox because of the Halo, and Halo's been exclusive to Xbox. Um, I'm hopeful, though, that with the advent of things like Fortnite and Call of Duty being able to play cross-platform, that maybe at some point they'll do that with the Halo franchise, because you can play it on on PC as well. You just can't play it on PS4 or anything else. So hopefully they'll... I'd even be happy if they let us uh, play cross-platform with the PC gamers. That would be fun. Yeah, I've I've seen some games do that, and it's they've been wildly popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're a sci-fi fan, so tell me some of your favorite sci-fi um, franchises. Uh, I'm going to tell you my most recent one is The Expanse, which is um, it's a show they have on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. but it's based on a series of books by James S. A. Corey. That has been just awesome. You know, big fan of Aliens, that whole franchise. Um, I don't know. Would you consider? And I'm gonna get crushed for this, but I like the whole Matrix series, and I'm not sure that's considered sci-fi. But like, even the the two movies that everybody hated, I liked. <laughs> I, you know, I'm the same. I, I, well, to go even further to to get people mad, like, now it's been a long time. I haven't seen it in a long time, but I remember seeing the Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Green Lantern movie and going that was a good movie now of course that was a long time ago and apparently people hate it but I can't say like I'm a DC fan I really like you know Batman and Superman and all that stuff Um, to be fair though I did like the the Dark Knight trilogy I thought Christopher Nolan did a really nice job with that but I'm not a huge comic book guy so I can't say oh it was you know good or bad compared to the comics because I didn't read any of those yeah me either. I, I'm not a comic book person. I respect people that are because that's that's a whole different art form that like I just I admire people that can do it. But to your point with the Dark Knight series, I love that series, too. I still think the Dark Knight was the best comic book movie I've ever seen. Uh, it was funny as I showed that to my oldest and my oldest was like me. And I was like, why? man?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like, Batman, just a rich guy with uh, all the toys. And I'm like, Ugh, you're right. But still, this movie's great. <laughs> <laughs> i feel the same way i've i mean my kids aren't old enough yet i think to appreciate anything i've got to, to be like hey watch this movie but we'll see i'm sure i've got moments like that ahead of me mm-hmm, for sure since we're kind of on the subject of movies can you tell me any movies that you might have been to on opening night are there any movies you've ever gone to and seen like the night it opened or stayed up till midnight to see it or or that sort of thing um i wait i remember I'm going to give you one that's going to surprise you. Boogie Nights. I went to see that at the opening and it was opened at midnight and I went and saw that the first time. (laughs) I don't know why, but like I was such a, 
like we saw that my friend and I saw the preview. I'm like, we have to see this movie. We gotta and, go. We gotta and go. We, <laughs> and we went, and I, I tell you, it was the that movie is like kind of has this very serious note to it. My friend and I laughed our asses off to that movie. It was there's so much funny stuff in that, and everybody that was in the movie with us gave us super dirty looks. Okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can't. I'm sure I've been to others, but like none of them are coming to my mind right now. But I. Yeah, I've been to more recent ones. I just can't think of. I just remember that being one that like that surprises people when they hear that I went to a midnight showing of that. Yeah, no, you're right. I would not have, I would not have guessed that in a million years. <laughs> I've only been to a couple, and most of them have been sci-fi related. I'm sure, probably, I think the second Matrix movie. I think I went to opening, up. and maybe some of the Lord of the Rings. Are you a Lord of the Rings or Hobbit fan? Uh, I like the Lord of the Rings. Um, the Hobbit was just too long. They didn't need to stretch it out. It's it's a super short book. So one movie was plenty. Um, I think the Lord of the Rings movies were superbly done. Um, yeah, I, and I read the books. The books were good. Uh, I wasn't like completely blown away. Just like I was never blown away by the C.S. Lewis, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and all those. I thought they were good. Um it's funny with fantasy is a little weirder for me because it's it's harder for me to maintain interest. Although, if you look at something like Game of Thrones, I guess that would be considered fantasy in a way, but it's more like a parallel universe kind of deal. So I don't know. We just signed up for HBO Max, so I have not seen any of Game of Thrones, and my wife and I are going to start that I think probably next week. Um, now that it's done, but we have to catch up because there's all these <laughs> jokes and things and like we've got to know what's going on finally <laughs> yeah i'm gonna tell you the you're gonna there's a lot of rough stuff in that it is a dark there's parts of it that are very dark uh but there's also a lot of sly humor so i think you guys will appreciate uh, if you got hbo then i'm gonna give you a five-part miniseries thing to watch that is okay chernobyl that's what it's called it's all about okay. the chernobyl incident it is freaking awesome I've heard I've heard good things about it. I, yeah. Again, I, because we never had that. We we've never paid for cable, and we finally were like, well, you know, it's a streaming service. We'll sign up for the deal and and see what's there. And just in the last, I'm not getting paid for this, but in the last like 24 hours, being able to see what they have on there, we're like, oh my god! Even this afternoon, the kids and I were watching uh, the original Flintstones because they thought it was hilarious. They'd never seen the Flintstones, and we were watching watching those for the kids. Um, I didn't. I didn't realize they had the Flintstones on there. That's kind of cool. They do, yeah. I mean, we we own the Jensen's because we we purchased those previously on iTunes years ago, um, but we were very pleasantly surprised to see that they've got like thirty seasons of Looney Tunes, and they've got a bunch of stuff for wow. kids on there, which I didn't expect. I mean, we got it for Doctor Who and Game of Thrones and stuff like that since they have it, but um, again, not a paid ad. HBO is not paying me to say this. <laughs> <laughs> So the HBO or the uh, Doctor Who stuff, how do they have, was there a certain set of seasons or do they have all the seasons? So they have the new stuff. So they have seasons one through 11 currently when it started with, well, uh, Eccleston, the guy right before David Tennant, when they rebooted yeah. Doctor Who, they have, they have all that. Um, mm -hmm. Season 12, they don't have yet, which I found out today. Mm -hmm. um, and we haven't seen that. Uh, so I'm excited for that to like show up. Um, but they'll have that apparently soon is what I hear. I don't know. It was funny. My wife is a big Doctor Who fan, and uh, 
she was not all that in on the season 12 because of the writing she said which i i think she said they made uh i think it jody uh shit what's her last name the i should know did, i don't yeah <laughs> whitaker is that right Whitt- whitaker. Right. yes whitaker you're right uh they made her kind of campy like david Tennant's character mm. like almost kind of a little loopy and for having it be the first female doctor, you kind of wish they wouldn't have taken that route, is was her point. But it makes sense. Of, yeah, a lot of people really liked it though. So to each their own. For sure. Absolutely. Um you know, I, it's it's one of those things like Star Trek. People love love it or give a fuck about what <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I'm in the latter camp on that. Same with Star Wars, obviously actually though. I'm not a huge fan of Star Wars. I like it. I'm just not all gaga over it uh i can say that about star wars i can't say that about star trek i literally flew to australia in 2009 to see the opening of the jj abrams reboot just because i really wanted to see it as soon as possible wow what you went to australia that's a yeah. long flight Ab- abigail abigail was on a on a trip somewhere in pennsylvania i don't remember she was on a layover back then and i was like hey um they're selling this block of tickets for opening night at Star Trek. Uh, if I can get tickets, can we fly to Sydney to go see it? She's like, sure, whatever. I mean, 50 tickets for, you know, this super thing. I think there were like 3,000 people in attendance. Everyone that attended was invited. So, of course, she was like, no way, you're going to get it, so whatever. And then, back, well, then I had, I think, an old laptop and I had my whatever i had like three different computers set up and i was able to get two tickets and she's like oh shit okay i guess we have to do this and we figured out how to fly standby from chicago to san francisco to sydney and we got there spent the night went to opening day so we got to see chris pine and jj abrams and brian burke and like the whole crew that was there and it was the first time they converted the sydney opera house into a movie theater they did a custom screen custom sound setup to show the movie in you know the yeah the sydney opera house yeah the amphitheater looking thing right yeah it was fantastic i i mean i got pictures of jj abrams just from feet away which was cool we got but it was funny too we actually got covered on cnn because i i sent a like a little press release out about the fact that we'd seen it and we flew to Australia because I thought it was interesting. And they, they featured us on CNN back then because we did wow. that from Chicago. It was so much fun. So, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely a Star Trek nerd. I liked all the rebooted ones. Uh, like, again, they were good movies. I enjoyed them. I'm not – again, I can enjoy stuff and, and enjoy the, the people having big fandoms for it. But I don't, it's not something where I'm like, I wouldn't go to Australia to see it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but still, that was an experience you, uh, you you still remember, obviously. So it's obviously a good experience. And very fondly. I'm, you know, the the reporter that covered us is still Facebook friends with me years later. <laughs> no kidding. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny seeing seeing how he's progressed and what he's done. And I think we're getting towards the end. We're coming up on an hour. I don't want to uh, be too rough on people's ears, I suppose. <laughs> You you Thank have you. such a you such have a melodious voice. Um, although every time I go through a drive through, Abigail says I have like a polite voice. That like my when I go to order whatever it is that I'm ordering at a drive through specifically, she says my voice goes up an octave or two, and that's why people <laughs> always go yes, ma'am, when they 
you know, or miss or whatever. <laughs> and then I come around to like pay or get my food and they always look like surprised. Like, who's this dude here? Yeah. Um, it is I, what it is. Yeah. I get a, like Joe will hear me on conference calls and she'll say, your voice changes so much because it's like a business voice. And I have a very different intonation. Nice. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even really realize I did that, but she's right. It's just different. Oh, and there's been some really funny stuff on Twitter about uh, partners that have heard each other on conference calls. They're like, oh, you're the let's circle back around with this guy? Come on. <laughs> or, as you know, I don't know if you know this, the word I hate is robust. Being in IT, is this, I hear that word all the time, and it just drives me well, nuts. Okay. <laughs> um, I totally get that. I use that word when I talk about coffee or beer so i should not use that around you i suppose no that's okay for coffee or beer because that applies the robust oh the system is really robust is it is it really because i don't think it is (laughs) or my favorite is when they go we'll take this offline no you won't you'll be talking on the phone or text message yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's awful (laughs) anyway sorry to digress that's funny oh here's a random question because I mean, you're a tech guy. Um, did Have you always been a tech guy, or did you get into that by accident, or were you purposely you know, heading in that direction when you were younger? Uh, I kind of fell into it. I, um, I was working for a company called Dun & Bradstreet, and I was doing like phone calls, and the phone calls were like, I'm going to update your credit report for your business, and while I have it in your phone, I'm going to sell you stuff. And I am a terrible mm-hmm. salesman, so it was not a same fit. So I found out they had an opportunity for a part-time uh, IT person for internship, and they didn't. You know, I was like, "Well, I'll interview for it," and I knew enough that I could get in. But it was like I would do half my time making calls, and the other half doing IT work. And then eventually, I just slid all into IT work, mm-hmm. and and then it just you know, I've been doing IT work for 20 years, almost. So, yeah, it was a happy accident. <laughs> nice. Okay. I'm the opposite. When I was a kid, I, I my dad came home to a fifth grader who had taken apart the home computer system that they had spent their tax return on. <laughs> and I had, like, the modem and the hard drive and the motherboard and the RAM and, like, just everything taken apart and out in very nice rows, but like out on the floor. And my dad to this day says he walked in and he, in his mind said, okay, Bob, you have two choices. You can flip out on him right now and he'll probably never do this again. Or you can basically give him an ultimatum and say, you have an hour. You need to put this back together. And if it works, everything's fine. Don't ever do it again. And he took the ladder. He, he gave me a warning and said, okay, put this put this together. If it works, you're not in trouble, but don't do it again. And I was like, yeah, Dad, I've got a book. I, I checked out a book from the library at a you know, fifth grade level. I was like, this is how computers work. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it was like a $5,000 thing back in yeah. uh, know, the 90s or the, the late 80s, and it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. It was put back together, and everything worked. Um, and then I just progressed from there. Yeah. That, that's a that's a pretty good story because <laughs> i i would have had steam flying out of my ears 
I, I try and keep that in mind every time I walk in on Wesley, like, tinkering with something or coding something or, like, oh, he's messing with the computer. Like, what's he doing? Yeah. Uh, but he's been getting into Python coding recently, so I'm, I very much encourage that. Yeah, my oldest is going to be taking Python classes next year in school, so he's pretty nice. He's actually he's actually really stoked for that. He's like, uh, I'm going to brag on him for a minute. He cool. uh, is so he plays this game called Counter Strike Go on Steam, and he was ranked in the top 200 in the country mm. for that game, and that's something because those tournaments are the people that play those. Is, oh. There's massive tournaments for it, and, and like some of the prizes for those tournaments, are like five hundred thousand bucks, and like, but he's like, right. he's really, really gifted at it, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. You know, hopefully that's something that I said. Listen, man, if you can parlay that into something, do it. You know, I'm, I'm not going to stifle him if he wants to try that. No, that's cool. Is he good in front of a camera? Get him a Twitch channel. Let him play online and see if he gets the following. Yeah. Well, the problem for him is. Um, he has a uh, very slight uh, bout of Tourette's. So, like, I'm not sure he'd want a camera on him while he's playing. That makes sense. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> but he, he does he does videos where he has commentary. And, like, he he's just really technically savvy. So Awesome. That's very cool. Well, uh, thank you. I, we've reached the uh, kind of end part of our show where I ask the guest if they have any thoughts uh, to share on perhaps the journey they've seen me take from the time we've met to the current time. Um, I know you've been seeing me from afar as far as what we do. We've only seen each other a few times in person, mostly at conferences. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any thoughts to share, that's awesome. And if not, uh, um, you know, it's been great talking with you and learning a whole bunch of new things about you. Well, I will say that when I when I met you, uh, you I knew you just more or less as uh, I read your blog, especially your posts about uh, you being an atheist and having children and navigating that as uh-huh. well as your beer stuff. And what I've noticed is as you progressed along here is you've become more of an outspoken activist for things. And I really appreciate that, that you're not willing to stay quiet for things that matter to you. And you've been much more vocal and on point about what does matter to you. That's the biggest change I've seen. Um, I mean, you're still an awesome uh, beer connoisseur and uh, I like seeing what you're drinking because you get some stuff that I, I envy from afar. So uh, yeah, man, it's been great seeing you kind of grow into an activism role there. Well, thank you very much. I, I try and exhibit the change that I want to see in the world, especially because I am the, you know, white, straight, cisgender male who, as a group, has caused a lot of problems for this country. And I <laughs> for sure. I can I can take that position that I'm in and just, like, spout my mouth off. And if people are mad, eh, they're mad. But for me, in general, I don't have to worry about my safety because of it. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, it's something that I've been trying to do as well, but not I've not been as forthright about it as you have. So kudos to you. Because I am employed at home. I am self-employed. I don't have to worry that when I say fuck you, Donald Trump, that I'm worried about a company <laughs> firing me because they have a conservative uh, investor that might be upset by that. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I totally get that. I'm in a different space than a lot of people are. Yeah. 
Well, I'd like to be that way, but like you said, there are unfortunately certain barriers that make it a little difficult just because, you know, I like uh, having an income, so I have to be a little careful about that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm doing my part and you continue to do yours. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, sir. You have Thank an you, awesome man. week and yep. um, I hope to chat with you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Joel. This has been great. <laughs>